Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We are your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you about the attempted murder of Olga Rocco. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. In the fall of 1946, 19-year-old Pearl Lusk moved to Manhattan, New York after moving out of her parents' home in Brooklyn following graduating high school earlier that year. She was a relatively normal girl living a pretty normal life. While she was living in New York on Thanksgiving Day, she got on the subway train and she met this man who identified himself as Alan LaRue. She described him as a very good-looking man, and that he was dressed very well and was charming, and he asked her to go have a drink, but she actually declined this. I think she was trying to be a little bit safer. It was a newer area for her. She had just moved in a few months ago, and so she didn't want to go have a drink with a stranger, basically. What year did you say this was again? 1946. I do find it interesting, though, that she's trying to be hesitant about going to meet a stranger though especially for being 1946 i feel like nowadays it's ingrained in us you know obviously don't go out with a stranger go to like a really public place you know be safe but i don't feel like it was pushed that much in the 40s right and and back then they didn't have dating apps or social media so like this is how you met people so i i feel like it was a very classic meet and greet but she was just like i don't know about this it's okay maybe maybe next time or something following this interaction pearl just keeps going on living her life she had a job at a department store and she had been working there until christmas eve that year where they laid her off as well as a handful of other people at the store Um, It was following the rush of Christmas, so their business was going down, and they just didn't need that many workers anymore. Unfortunately for Pearl, this put in a damper in a lot of her social life because she was really good friends with the people she worked with, and she spent a lot of time with them after work or on breaks, and so this was a hit to her social life. I do find it interesting how you do make so many friends at all the places that you work and then like you hang out with them outside of work and at work and then you find a new job and they just kind of like your friendship kind of dwindles unless it's unfortunately like me and Abby you know she kind of stuck around but still it's just it's sad right I mean I feel like when you work with people it's easy to maintain the friendship because you're going to see each other regardless whereas once you you know get laid off or quit or whatever happens you have to get a new job which takes up your time and then it's a lot harder to manage and maintain friendships and relationships with a new job where you're not already seeing them every day so later on about a month later on the evening of december 26th pearl got on the subway after heading back home from her mom's house in brooklyn and she ran into alan again and they started talking and he asked her for a drink again And so she was like, you know what? Okay, let's go. Let's go have a drink. No problem. We'll go to this bar and grill. And he took her to one in Times Square. And she had said that they talked about her life and she told him about being laid off and they just chatted for a while. And at the beginning, he acted like he had maybe a romantic interest in her. He's flirting with her. And it seems, you know, like one of those normal interactions where you're on a date. But 
as they talk more, she felt like he kind of started to have this like different type of interest. So like she was not romantically interested, but he was romantically interested. Or what do you mean by like they he had a different interest? It sounds like he, you know, when they met on the train, he was flirting and that's how he got her to go have a drink. And he was acting like maybe it was going to be like, maybe we'll go on a second date. Maybe there's something romantic here. But then he kind of was acting like he needed her for something else, which at the end of their night, he says, I've got a job for you if you want it. And it's going to have a big reward. It's going to have a big pay. And so this... This sounds sketchy. It's definitely not usually how your dates end up, I feel like. But she she's like, okay, like, what, what's up? You know, what do you mean? And he says that he is a private detective that works for an insurance company. And this insurance company specializes in jewelry. And basically, when the jewelry companies that they insure loan out jewels, necklaces, jewelry, whatever... Sometimes people don't bring them back and they're considered stolen. So his job is to figure out where it is and track it down and try to get it back. And so he says there's this woman named Olga who was a private secretary to the owner of Croydon Hat Company, whose offices were in a building on West 39th Street. And he says that she had stolen some valuable jewelry from one of the clients and she had been carrying it pinned inside of her clothes. And so it's Alan's job to either recover the jewelry or recover evidence of the jewelry being stolen to hand over to police before they're going to intervene. They want to know for sure Olga has it before they, you know, go try to arrest some woman. So his job, he lent out jewelry to people and then made sure it got back or? No, he um, was part of an insurance company which insured jewelry owners. So he was trying to get the jewelry back basically for one of his clients who was would have been a jewelry store. Oh, okay. And so Alan says the reason he can't approach Olga is because she knows him. She knows his name and face. So she would maybe freak out and stash the jewelry and then they'll never find it. And so he wants Pearl to help him out. And he says, let's meet tomorrow morning around 930 near the building that Olga works at and I will give you further instruction and just a little side note for you guys this full story is told in an article from the New Yorker by writer St. Clair McElway and he worked for the New Yorker between the 30s and 60s and he does a just amazing job at telling the story and he did a lot of research and has a lot of quotes from people involved in the story So I'm going to be reading some quotes directly from his article, and I recommend going and checking it out. We'll have the link in our description, obviously, Um, but it's a really good in-depth read of the story. So Pearl goes and meets Alan in the morning at the time at the designated place. And he says, quote, here's what I want you to do first. Go up to the offices of the hat company and ask the receptionist if Miss Sadie White is working there. There isn't any Sadie White, of course, but while you're talking to the receptionist, you'll get a chance to take a good look at Olga. So you'll know her when you see her again. She sits just outside the door that leads into the private office of the owner. Here's a photograph of her. And he shows her a photo. And he says, but I want you to see her in person, so you'll be sure to recognize her even in a crowd, like a subway crowd. I'm going to get you to follow her around when she leaves this afternoon. Now go up there and meet me here afterward and tell me if you think you can recognize her good enough to tail her wherever she goes when she leaves, end quote. And so Pearl goes up, does this, and comes back down. 
And Alan says, quote, now I'll tell you how we're going to work this. And don't forget, there's going to be a big reward in it for you when we get those jewels back. You take most of the day off, go to the movies or something, but don't tell anybody about this because there are leaks all over in this racket and it might get back to Olga. She leaves here every afternoon at 5. You meet me in my apartment at 204 East 17th Street at half past 3 and I'll show you exactly how we're going to prove she's carrying those jewels. End quote. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. It's really weird. He kind of sounds like a... I don't, I don't know. I've just, it's just odd. But he kind of sounds like maybe a psycho ex or something like that. That's like, I need you to find her for this jewelry, but secretly I need you to find her because I'm going to kidnap her kind of thing. Like, it literally sounds like a plot to a movie. It sounds so insane and so sneaky. And like, it just sounds like, like a action movie. That, yeah, I was thinking like Ocean's 13 kind of type movie. It's weird. It's it's honestly really interesting, though, and I don't think we've ever covered a story quite like this. Maybe later as we go on, but so far it seems kind of new. Yeah, so this story, actually, it's funny because I came across it last night, but I'd actually read about it forever ago in an article. And I remember this story, but I couldn't remember where I'd read it from. And I even like was like, did we cover this? And I'm just forgetting and went back and searched to make sure we hadn't covered it. And I was like, where am I getting this from? But I read it a long time ago. And um, there's this website called cracked.com and they'll have random articles. And um, it was like highlighted in one of them. And I just, I used to read it. And this was like in high school that I would read them. So I don't know. It just stuck in my brain. <laughs> okay. So at this point, Pearl has a good idea of what Olga looks like in person. She's confident that she could follow her through a crowd. And so what she does is she follows Alan's instructions. And she goes and watches two movies and then goes and meets Alan at his apartment. And when she gets there, he gives her what he says is an x-ray camera. And this camera is what looks like it's just in a box with the hole cut out. And it's wrapped up in paper like you would see on a box that's getting shipped somewhere. And then there's a little loop wire hanging at the bottom of it. And so he says it's an extra camera. You're going to point it at Olga, pull the wire, it'll take the photo, and then you bring it back and I can develop it and see if she's carrying the jewels inside of her clothes. All right. So I don't know if it's just because I'm a skeptical person or because this is a true crime podcast. I'm just feeling really skeptical about this whole situation yeah it sounds a little sketchy when you think about the fact that it was 1946 and this random man has a handheld x-ray camera which i guess i don't know how common that would have been i'm that was sarcasm i don't think it was common i still don't think it's probably super duper common i mean i know like infrared cameras and those kind of things like you can get them or like the heat sensing cameras but they're very expensive but this was 1946 i 
cameras were barely normal cameras were barely a thing in 1946 right and alan says you know make sure you're close enough so it can pick up on everything and get a good photo and bring it back to me and so pearl goes to olga's apartment building which the address was given to her by alan and follows her and takes a photo of olga from behind she gets pretty close takes it and then she's a little nervous about it so she takes off pretty quickly and she goes to the designated meet and greet area with Alan, which I'm pretty sure was the bar and grill that they had met at to have drinks that first night. But he says, did you, did you do it? And she's like, yeah, I took the photo. Um, I don't know exactly. It didn't make a sound or anything, but I hope I got it. And he's asking her for details about like what happened, how did it go, what like the step-by-step playthrough. And he's like, okay, well, let me take it home and develop it and I'll let you know and give me a call in a couple of days, three days, and we'll, we'll figure it out. And so he calls and says, you know, I think the camera had some trouble. I'm going to get a better one and we are going to try again. And so on the morning of December 31st, Pearl meets up with Alan again and he gives her a new camera, which looks similar Um, It's a little bit larger. It's still in a box, but the box is wrapped up with wrapping paper that said, like, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. But it's still that little wire that she was to pull to take the photo. I like that it's festive, but I do think it's strange that she can't, like, see the camera in this box. Right. So you you would maybe think he would show her the actual camera, but the point of it is to be obscure. They don't want Olga knowing they're taking photos, so they want to be undercover. It's like an undercover mission. Later on, Pearl talks about how she felt like she was part of some like cool secretive thing and it was kind of exciting. So Pearl takes the camera and Alan says, aim it low at her waist. That's probably where she's carrying the jewels. It's going to be pinned in right there. So you want it low at her waist. And so Pearl follows Olga onto the subway train and off of the train. And she points the camera low like she's supposed to and pulls the wire. And after she does this, this loud sound, this loud boom happens. And as she's doing it, the camera literally jerks forward and she almost drops it and it manages to hang on. And Olga screams and falls down and her left leg is nearly blown off of her body. What? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess good thing he told her to aim low so that only her leg came off and like she didn't completely die. I'm assuming she could survive that. It's probably painful, but most definitely painful. Yeah, I will, I will update you guys on what happens with Olga here in a few. She definitely does not immediately die. Um, she falls down, obviously. And a security guard runs over and is like, holy shit, what happened? And Pearl is just like, like she actually has blood on her from Olga because she was close. And she's like, I just took this woman's picture and somebody shot her at the same time. And then like, you know, someone runs in and puts a tourniquet on Olga's leg and a policeman comes up and grabs Pearl and opens up the box and is like, this is a sawed-off shotgun. Uh, my head hurts. Yeah, and then Pearl just, like, goes, crap. Like, like, I think this is when she's starting to put together, like, I just shot this woman. Like, shot off this woman's leg. I can't even imagine the shock she's going through in that moment. Yeah. Like, she had had no idea what she was doing. And she apparently just starts sobbing and is like, I can't believe this just happened. And she's like, literally, she's saying to Olga, a guy told me it was a camera, blah, blah, blah. And Olga's like, 
um, someone says, like, why did she shoot you? And Olga goes, she didn't sh- shoot me. My ex-husband did. So it was an ex. Yeah. Olga instantly is like, no, I know exactly who did this. And so she says his name. They take Pearl to the police station and they have a photo of Alan, quote, in quote, with Olga from when they were together. And Pearl's like, yeah, that's Alan. And then they're like, actually, this is Alphonse Rocco, the ex-husband of Olga. And so Alfonso was actually a gangster in New York. Um, he made his money stealing cars and other automobiles and reselling them and was aggressive and just not a great guy, um, obviously. And so prior to this situation, Olga left him. And when she did, he, if you could imagine, did not take it well. <laughs> and he started threatening to kill her and actually even had shot her once before. Oh, my. Yeah. So I will say he came up with a very interesting and in-depth detailed story as to this whole job that he had. And I I mean, you said he was kind of charming, but obviously he was very cunning and witty, obviously, to be able to convince her to do this, but also tell her, obviously, you know, it's not like it's just a photo. And then he had this whole elaborate story. The ironic thing to me is, though, is that he has this whole elaborate plan set up so that, like, someone shoots her. But she obviously is going to immediately know it's him. You're right. It is interesting now that, I like I said, I mean, I was grateful, obviously, that it was just her leg. But he must have wanted her to know that it was him. Like, he must have wanted just her attention. Right. And like, like I had mentioned, he had actually sh- shot her once before. So I guess... One night she was helping her mom fix dinner and felt some like stinging pain in her leg and saw blood streaming down from a wound and like she had been shot through the window and it had gone through her leg. Okay, why does he want to shoot her leg so bad? I don't know. I think with Pearl, he was aiming for her to hit her in the back or stomach and hit a vital organ is my guess. Okay, that's fair. Um, But luckily it didn't. Um, So... Also, prior to this event, Alphonse had actually kidnapped Olga a couple of times. Um, He'd taken her to, like, some cabin in the Catskills several days at a time. She didn't give details about what happened, but he was, like, an outdoorsy guy, so he liked being up in the woods. He was a camper, a hunter, he had a lot of guns. It seems like a really good thing that she did leave him. Yeah. He doesn't seem like somebody that you'd want to be with. Well, and here's what's crazy is like all these happen, all these things happen. And she actually had gone to the police and said, my ex is trying to kill me and is kidnapping me and shot me. But for whatever reason, nothing happened. They were just like, don't worry, nothing will happen. And I don't know if they just couldn't prove that he actually did any of those things. I'm wondering if it was just the time period. Mm hmm. Because I feel like, I mean, not that we're super great about domestic violence now anyways, but I feel like in the 40s, it was a lot more frowned upon to admit that you were in that situation right. and a lot more frowned upon for like the husband to be at fault for that, you know? Right. Well, so it could have just been one of those situations. I mean, and up until the 80s, I think it was, I went to um, an old lunatic asylum is what they called them. Um, and they said it was like up until the 80s that they had closed when they finally closed and men could still just drop off their wives and say they were crazy because they were having a period. 
That's right. Yeah. So I, it could have just easily been the time period and not that they couldn't prove anything, but just because they just frankly didn't care at that time. Right. And so luckily and unluckily, Olga did survive from her injuries, but her leg had to be removed. It was close range sawed off shotgun shot. And typically those are pretty brutal, pretty brutal. I was going to say aggressive or brutal. I was trying to find a more delicate word, but there's just not really one. But she did survive. I will say, though, that props to her for right after Pearl shot her and the police are like, what? And she's like, no, it wasn't her. It was my husband. Like, I don't know that if my leg got shot off that I could easily look at the person in front of me holding the shotgun and be like, it wasn't you. I (laughs) know. Like, she said a couple, like, she was conversating with the people in the, like, surrounding area as this is happening. And I'm just like, and I don't know. Yeah, I, you think... Most people would probably pass out from that. I would. And so they they took Pearl into custody, but they ended up releasing her after a couple of days. They're like, you had no idea. They didn't charge her with anything. But Alphonse took off into the Catskills and he actually went up there after he had stole a car and they were able to track him down from reports of him robbing farmers at gunpoint for food. And six days after... 50 state police and two New York detectives found his car parked up in the Catskills and they found him in a sleeping bag, literally just sleeping in the woods. And they were like, hey, we know it's you. You need to surrender. And he fired four times at them. And so police fired back and he ended up getting shot and killed. I'm kind of torn on that one because he definitely deserved it. But also... It would have been nice for him to serve some time. He also seems like the kind of guy who would not handle well taking account for his actions. So it would have, I think, yes, been great for him to spend his life in prison and have to lose that freedom that he clearly was holding on to. It would have been nice if we could have sawed his leg off first or something, though. So in something just interesting that I came across when researching this is there's a very up-close image of him after he'd gotten shot in the face and killed. And I don't know if it's pronounced Getty or Jetty. I've never known. But they, like those images that are online sell the print with the largest print of it being like $400. Why? I don't know. They had three different sizes. And I don't know if the largest one was 400 or if it was higher. But it was hundreds of dollars. And isn't that just so odd? Well, I mean, what was that one site that we talked about Mm -hmm. on one of our episodes well um where you can buy weird stuff like this yeah well a lot of times it's stuff that was personally owned or made by the like murderers killers whatever this was just like an image i assume a police image that somehow getty images owns the rights to and sells i i got nothing just a strange thing to purchase i would say i can't say that that's what i'm purchasing with my money but so Something about this case that does kind of bother me. Olga actually sued New York, the city of New York, because they're like, I told you about the him and you guys didn't protect me. And it went to court and the court kind of dismissed it because they're like, he technically didn't shoot you. It's this other person that was involved and we could not, they're like, we, there was no way for us to know that Pearl was going to shoot you with her x-ray camera gun and so there was no way we could have protected you anyway and she was denied 
any form of payment or compensation. The more you went on with that, the more my head hurt. It's, I think that's really messed up. How is that any different than like somebody hiring an assassin and then being charged with the murder as well? Because right. they hired the assassin. Well, maybe that, I don't know when that came into the like legal system though. I, I mean, I don't officially know either, but like conspiracy to commit murder, second degree, like you should, there should have been something that could have got it. And there, I mean, nowadays, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I obviously, maybe it's just have changed. It's that classic trope of like New York cops being a little dirty, maybe not caring. Like, maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, I disagree with that strongly. But on a somewhat brighter note, Pearl and Olga actually like became pretty good friends after and would see each other from time to time. And I think that shows a nice like like connection of women to be like, men suck. <laughs> I was really kind of hoping you'd end with saying that they became friends. <laughs> they did. And I just, I think that's so endearing and heartwarming. Like she really just did not blame Pearl at all. And I i mean, I just think that's nice. It, I'm sure Pearl felt just awful the rest of her life. So I'm glad they were able to, you know, agree that they were both victims in this situation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 